Hello everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. On today's episode, well, this is an exciting one. This is one that I've actually tried to get scheduled for a few weeks. Finally happened. Special shout out to Bree Staus. Really, really fun interview. I'm excited for you all to listen to this one. Uh, before we get to kind of what I want to go through, I obviously ignored the Under the Banner of Heaven review last week that I said I was going to give. Well, I'm actually going to push it to next week as well because it's, it's just a packed episode today. And obviously last week was a packed episode. It was two hours. So for all of you that stayed through the full two hours, congratulations. But, you know, that's what happens when you come out of the closet for Tom Cruise, you know. It was a big deal for me, you know. So I hope I hope you all can understand that and uh, be patient with me as I uh, deal with that new revelation, so to speak, right? Anyway, so that's obviously going to put the, uh, help put the uh, Under the Banner of Heaven review, push it back a little bit, but rest assured, next week we'll get right back to it. I'll finish the, the series by then. I'm only like three episodes out or something like that, but I've got a whole thing written up. I finished the book. I've been hustling on that one just so I could bring you all my viewpoints there. Anyway, because I know you're all just chomping at the bit to hear it. Uh, on today's episode, we're doing a week in review, and then we will get to Bree Stouse's interview, and I think y'all will enjoy that one. She had some really cool things to say. She's doing some cool stuff. She had some cool experiences, kind of her perspective, all, all the stuff she's providing. I found it fascinating. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sycophant. I don't know. And then I'm going to close it out with a couple gospel thoughts that I had kind of over the last week as I generally like to do with this new format, you know, give some little week in the review and then do an interview if I can and then close it out with some gospel insights. Anyway, I hope you all enjoy it. I think y'all will. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the other side. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yeah. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the crack dancers. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right. So, week in review. What do we have in store for us? One announcement that I want to make. I mean, it's kind of kind of breaking news, sort of. So if you all remember, Sean Bingham, a friend of mine who's been on the podcast a couple times before, last time specifically, just a couple weeks ago, he was talking about his new app that he was developing that was finished. Well, they did a soft launch. It's Tripio. Look that up. T-R-I-P-I-O. And if you all are interested, um, I could maybe set some lucky listeners up with a year free of the pro version. Um, but let me know if you are interested in that, uh, Tripio, what it does is it's kind of a one-stop shop for all things travel. So if you're looking to get out, get away, 
but not really know kind of what's in store for you. You don't really know exactly what you can do in these areas or how to customize your trip. What this does is it helps you kind of like put what your interests might be. Say, for example, if you go to Europe and you really like to go to museums, it'll have you kind of a checkbox for that. But maybe you want to go see like really cool architectural stuff or you want to go have more adventures, do the Via Ferrata in Switzerland, things like that. You can put that out there. You can say, I'm more a little bit more adventurous, like one to five. Like this is how I rate it. And it will tell you like, well, hey, here's a list of ideas that you can do. So you don't really have to you don't really have to research a whole lot. It will set you up with kind of like the maps and where that is and everything. And just has a lot of really cool tools for travel all in one place, all in one app. And it's Tripio, T-R-I-P-I-O. Sean Bingham invented that app and it's an amazing idea. He's, he's going to do great. So if you are interested in looking into that, inquire more. If you want to just kind of check out the app right now, go to the app store. It should be available everywhere. And uh, let me know what you think. I'm sure Sean will be uh, happy to get any feedback that he could get, and I could obviously relay that to him. All right, other things that I wanted to share real quick. Uh, so last Sunday, I uh, I attended a singles award for the first time since I was 31. So it's been almost three and a half years. Okay, I guess it's been about three and a half years. And I'll be honest, I don't miss it. I uh, I went to a family award basically right when I turned 31. I remember at the time I was in a singles ward, obviously, and I had a calling, and it was, uh, I worked with the Bishop Brick, and I told the Bishop, I'm like, well, like, I'm I'm not really clinging on to anything, so if you want me to go, I will gladly go, but if you need me to last in this calling, like, finish anything out, like, just let me know, and he's like, yeah, let's have you just kind of, you know, finish out the next couple months, and then we'll send you on your way, and I was more than willing to go, you know, I was like, change, you know, change of venue, 31, I made it 31 in a singles ward, it hadn't done anything for me at that point. So what am I? What am I holding on to? Went to a family ward and actually loved it. I really liked kind of the the sentiment there. It's completely different. I'm not totally crapping on singles wards here, but it is a totally different feeling. Um, it was huge. A lot of people there, and it was a different sentiment from the sense of people may have been going there for reasons beyond just wanting to go to church. Now, that may sound somewhat judgmental. And I mean, here's the thing. I'm just, I'm a fan and a proponent of people going to church for whatever reason they may see fit. They may see fit. Um, so obviously do, but it does, it, it, I don't know, it's just a different dynamic. I don't really know how to explain it. Um, and I happened to be there for Fast and Testimony meeting, which sounded a lot more like open mic night than it did for, you know, people just getting up there and uh just bearing their testimony but uh, whatever i don't know I'm, I'm i'm probably coming across as uh, a terrible person right now but i just want to share that because i thought that was kind of funny um the reason why i went is because i'm watching my parents dogs currently and they're a few cities away from where i normally live and i felt like going to church closer to their house as opposed to going all the way back from to where i normally attend church anyway um other news, okay, so actual real news. Uh, one thing I saw is that CNN is actually going to try and be more down the middle, allegedly. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, time will tell. Uh, food shortages still coming down the wire. I did see that baby formula manufacturer was actually going to be restored and the plant was going to be working. So hopefully the shortages don't last much longer in that sense. Um, gas prices are still at an all-time high, filling up my Jeep is well over $100 at this point. So that's really fun. Really appreciate that. I don't see any other way. That seems like it's directly tied to kind of not wanting to use the oil in our own country, but maybe that's me being naive. I don't know. I feel like 
it'd be nice to have uh, lower gas prices and especially with inflation and all that stuff going on right now. It's like, let's try and uh, mitigate these damages wherever we can, right? Mortgage rates are going up. Prices are going up everywhere. It's, it's nuts. But anyway, um, also it's Pride Month. So happy Pride Month to everybody out there, I guess, right? But not really because I feel like everybody's over it. Uh, and that includes a couple of my gay friends that have actually expressed that to me. No joke. They're like, We're, this is, I'm over this. I actually shared on Instagram not too long ago, just a few days ago, a video. It was a Seinfeld video of Jerry approaching Kramer's apartment. And it was the Kenny, Roasters, or Kenny Rogers Roasters episode where there's a red beam coming through his eye hole. And it shows that beam. But what it is, it's a rainbow. And Jerry's going up and it's, they, they, obviously, they just do the subtitles. And um, it's showing how, like, Kramer's the corporation's. And Jerry's like, what is that light? And he's like, oh, the rainbow? Oh, it's for LGBTQ Pride Month. And he's like, how long are you going to do it? And he just goes, one month. <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's just very dismissive about it. And that was what one of my friends had shared with me who is gay and is over the Pride Month. They, he's just doesn't, it's just virtue signaling, I guess, at large. And so anyway, thought that was worth pointing out. Thought that was kind of funny. All right, local Utah news. This one's kind of interesting, and I'm going to close on this one. Um, so apparently the Utah County Sheriff, now this is, here's some headlines going around right now. The Utah County Sheriff and the Utah County Attorney are at odds against each other involving some sort of child sex trafficking ring. That is not a joke and it sounds terrible. Sounds absolutely awful. The Utah County Sheriff has made claims that a lot of arrests are coming down the wire and some of them involve high profile people. Apparently there have been some hints that it involves David Levitt, who is the Utah County Attorney. And not only does he deny any involvement in, in these allegations, but claims it's a smear job meant to not get him reelected because he's running again for Utah County Attorney. I guess time will tell. Uh, a lot of this seems politically motivated one way or another. Regardless, if there is something going on down there in Utah County, what, what are we waiting for? Let's get these arrests out there and if, let's get these people and hold them accountable because that sounds absolutely terrible. So... That was some local news for you. With that, we will go ahead and kick it to the interview with Bree Staus, and I think y'all will enjoy this one. This has been this was a fun time. On the other side of that interview, I'll just close it out with a couple gospel insights that I had this last couple week. Hope y'all enjoy it. Have a good one. We will see you on the other side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, joining me on the pod today, this is a this is an exciting one, everyone. Bree Staus, winner of Listen to Your Heart Bachelor. I don't know, the Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart. I'm not I mean, I think that's the official title, right? Yes. Um But you I mean you won the Bachelor or the Bachelorette or whatever. That I mean let's just call it call a spade a spade. That is you, Bree. You've won. You are a winner. And you're joining me on the podcast today, and I cannot be more thrilled. How are you doing? You're living out in California right now, right? I am, yes. I'm living in Los Angeles and um, just kind of working out here, doing music. Um, the show did definitely help with uh, 
my career and what I've been pursuing. So I'm really fortunate to be living out here. I want to get to all that. Seriously. I'm, I'm pumped. So it'll be fun to have you on. I mean, I remember we, we probably met close to three years ago. If that sounds right. Um, but I remember like you were super into music. You were, I mean, you were wait, making waves out in Utah in the Provo area. And the, Provo actually has a pretty good uh, music scene, kind of surprisingly to the, to the rest of the nation, I would say. But um, it was fun to see you do listen to your heart. Cause it felt like, it was kind of a secret you'd been keeping. And I want to kind of get to that. Like, how did you go about even finding out about that and then getting involved from there? Yeah. So that was crazy. Um, there was a casting producer that actually discovered me through a hashtag on Instagram and I had been doing, you know, uh, cover videos and just regular videos on Instagram. And I remember being so annoyed about how long it would take me to find hashtags and make sure that they were the right ones. And I would spend hours and I just thought it was such a waste of time. And then when I um, talked to this casting producer and I realized that that's how she discovered me, I was like, wow, it really does and can work. And she never remembered the hashtag. I just wanted to know for like my own thing. But But yeah, that was it. And um, it was a brand new show. And so no one knew about it. No one could apply, obviously, because we didn't know it existed. But um, but yeah, that's how it was. And then uh, I actually thought it was a scam. She had to she reached out a few times because I was like, this is not legit. And then I realized that it was by the same people that do The Bachelor. And I was like, okay, I guess I have nothing to lose. This sounds awesome. And then You're I like, it. If- if Chris Harrison does not show up on my FaceTime in the next week, this whole thing is a sham, right? Exactly. That's that's all I was thinking about. <laughs> um, that's funny you say that because I was actually I just had a buddy of mine on uh, who has been on Shark Tank before, and he talked about how they got discovered because they had applied for Shark Tank and they got through a few rounds, but they actually weren't able to uh, take off with the company that they had intended to use for Shark Tank. And then sold that company and then posted about it. But from there, a Shark Tank producer had found kind of that info and were like, hey, you're doing this new company. We want you on. Like we're, we're looking specifically for companies like these. And so it was really cool. Like just I, these producers, they're just on top of it. Yeah. You never know how they're going to find you. That's really, really cool. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, I got, I got, I, I just a few weeks ago, I shared the uh, story about how I was on an episode of Ridiculousness. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. <laughs> I wasn't even familiar with it until they contacted me. But apparently it's just, it's like, it's MTV's version of America's Funniest Home Videos. Rob Deerdeck hosts or hosted it. I don't even know if it's still going. Um, uh-huh. And they just find people doing stupid things and making stupid videos. And lo and behold, one of the stupid things and stupid videos that I did was on YouTube and somebody approached me about it. And I was like, sure. So... <laughs> You're going to have to send me this video because I may or may not turn on America's Funniest Home Videos like all the time. And that's that right? Yeah. Well, let me give you a little context then. I mean, there's a whole podcast. Well, not a whole podcast episode, but I did bring my buddy on who helped me film it. We were doing it to kind of to kind of like push the push the envelope a little because we were in we were in we were at BYU together and it was award activity talent show thing like whatever kind of a dumb idea to create these videos. And so we we're like let's just like try and just go for shock value. And so what we did was we filmed me on the toilet and him like 
<laughs> barging in and catching me taking selfies on the toilet. Oh <laughs> it's my really God. stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I'll send it your way. You'll give you, I'll give you a couple laughs about it. I'll send you the version of Rob Deerdeck highlighting it with um what's his bucket? DJ Khaled. So Oh yeah. Oh they my have god. Both sort of seen me half naked, believe it or not. So I mean, you know what? If that's like the best thing you've done in life, I say that's huge. And I think so. there's not many yeah. people that can say that. So Yeah, I think I've made it actually. I, but I think so. <laughs> what was that? Sorry. I think so too, for sure. You definitely yeah. have. <laughs> I uh well we're not here to talk about me at all. I really want to hear more about your story. So you didn't have to apply. I didn't even think about that, actually. I, that's that's interesting because, yeah, it was brand new. Nobody would have known about it. And they're just kind of out finding recruits. And so that's really cool. They just like, you're perfect. Whatever. Provo girl, Mormon, all that stuff. Like we need we need the token Mormon these days. It kind of seems like there's at least one everywhere. I know. Um, what was I'm curious, though, to start us off kind of talking about your like experience with listen to your heart. Because you've been very open about growing up in it, and this is how it kind of describes you growing up in a traditional Mormon household. Mm -hmm. um, what was your family's response to that? And the only reason I ask is because my traditional Mormon household that I grew up in, they would have looked at that and been like, are you sure you want to do this? They wouldn't have necessarily been critical, but they would have been like, is this really like what you're looking for? You know, I'm just curious how their reaction was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it was similar. Like my family they, I've gotten so lucky. They're so supportive of me and would never, you know, make me feel like I needed to say no to something, but they definitely, specifically my mom was worried about, um, how they might portray me or, you know, paint me because the whole point of those shows, obviously, as we all know, is drama and, you know, how can we make this person look ridiculous or whatever? And so, and we were a little like, why would they want me with my background when again, the show is kind of about what it's about and stuff like that. So, um, you know, uh, so we were all a little bit skeptical, a little like, are we sure, you know, but I was just like, dude, I'm not getting younger. Um, I've got nothing to lose. I'm single always. Just <laughs> um, and the music. So I was like, done. As long as I don't have to get engaged by the end of it. That's the one thing I asked them. I'm like, I'm not doing it if I have to get engaged. <laughs> that's funny. Cause I was actually going to ask you about that. Like I, it was to me, it, it felt somewhat noteworthy with how the bachelor ends. Now, granted, this is just this is a branch of The Bachelor, so it's not like necessarily the exact same blueprint, but you would have mm -hmm. thought it seemed noteworthy that you guys didn't get engaged at the end of it. Yes, yes. I don't know why they chose to do it that way. Um, maybe just Oh, that was their choice. It was their choice. Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. I, didn't know that. I mean, I'm sure if we would have, like, they would have been so happy, mm. but um, that wasn't like a requirement or like an, I mean, I'm sure it was their end goal. You know what I'm saying? But it right. wasn't, you never felt like crazy, crazy pressure. Well, it kind of seemed like you guys played it cool pretty much the whole time. That's what was, I mean, yeah, I mean, what we can get into that kind of the nuances of that, but I felt like you and Chris specifically were fairly chill. I don't know. Like it was, mm -hmm. I know there was a little bit at the beginning with like, whether he was going to, you like, pick another girl or you or whatever. <laughs> yes. It's so funny to talk to you about that actually in yes. hindsight. 
stupid. Uh, yeah. Um, we actually were pretty chill and like stayed away from mm, the drama. Most of it, you know what I mean? Cause we were just like, again, it's TV and I, it's not that I was being extra careful. I was just making sure I was being 100% true to myself. And so everything that you do. That's one of the things that the producers told me. I'm like, I don't want to look like a crazy person. And he's like, Brie, if you're crazy, your crazy is going to get amplified. If you're chill, it's going to be, you know, shown. It's like, whatever you are, we can't make you something you're not. So whatever you are, it's just going to be amplified. And so that helped me be more chill um, and just be myself. And I think Chris was the same way and we hit it off right at the beginning. And so it was nice to just kind of um, be able to ground each other throughout the show. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, I mean, that, that makes all perfect sense because that's exactly how it seemed like it played out on screen to me. I was like, this is the Brie I've met. This is the Brie I know. Um, I don't like, this is no surprise here. Like I would have thought exactly this is how she would have responded and everything. Um, which brings me kind of to the thought that I had, or at least a question, what was it like? Cause we talk about these contrived dramatic scenarios a lot, especially on reality TV and quite frankly, The Bachelor is somewhat of like the father of all that, so to speak. Now, I know it's not technically the original reality series, but it's the one that definitely put it on a whole new level. What's it like when the cameras are off? So they're never really off. (laughs) Um, Is that right? Yeah, but they take, I I don't remember what the statistic is, but I think it's like they take like 3% of what they record, if it's even that. So you're always recorded. You're always mic'd, um, aside from obviously when you sleep, but we're not allowed to talk when we're not mic'd. So everything is recorded. Um, they don't let you talk when you're not mic'd? Wow, like one cool. night, Chris and I literally hugged and said, good night. And they were like... And there's like so, watching you like a hawk from there. They're like, yes. don't, no, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Yes, exactly. Even when we would go to bed and all the girls were in the same room, like getting ready for bed, there would be producers there making sure like when we were together, the girls in the room at night, um, we could talk to each other, but it couldn't be anything about the show or relationships or anything, which was really hard not to do. Um, so I guess there was that, but there were producers there to kind of guide the conversation, make sure that we were, you know, not saying anything useful that they would want to use for their, um, you know, for the show, which makes sense, but. I get that. They kind of want the raw version. It's kind of, I mean, I can, I mean, I definitely know what it's like to be a director of the one the most popular reality series ever, because I talk a lot with people that, and I'm like, Hey, let's save this for the podcast. <laughs> yes. You know, it, I totally get it, it. Really does make sense. Yeah. I totally <laughs> identify with these people. I get it. No, I get it. You know, game recognized game. So, um, you had an interesting experience, not just doing listen to your heart, obviously, but it was filmed obviously pre-COVID, but then it came out during COVID. And now I remember thinking, I remember, no joke, this thought actually came across my mind. I had zero clue that you were going to win. I mean, obviously they're very hush-hush about that. But I remember thinking like, because part of the, what you had won would be like this tour for a year and like basically really like launching your music career. And I remember thinking, holy cow, like if Brie wins, the timing isn't stellar 
Like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Because COVID lockdowns, all that stuff, how did that all go? I mean, the, the filming, there's nothing to really cover there because that was all pre-COVID. We didn't know what was happening. Um, but once COVID had come out, you knew you were going to win, all that stuff. What was what, what adjustments did they have to make for that? It was a lot. There were definitely a lot of tears um, realizing that the tour wasn't going to happen. So it was weird. Like it felt like we were in a different world because as the world was processing and adjusting to every new thing daily by the minute, I mean, you remember how it was, it was like, it was so bizarre. And so to be working with the producers, um, you know, I'm locked down in Utah, Chris is locked down in LA and then they're all suddenly at home and not together. And so we would have lots of, um, zoom meetings and things like that. And we were still trying to plan our tour and we were choosing our cities and, um, all that. But then we had to just start taking it day by day. And then in the end we realized, you know, this isn't going to happen. And they were so amazing. And they gave us the choice to, um, to still do it when COVID was over, but we were like, when is that going to be? You know what I mean? And so we ended up opting for, um, the other, prize because they had two options it was oh i didn't realize that but they totally took care of us and we opted out of the tour because you know two years later and like we're not even together anymore and so it just i'm glad like we went the way we did but it was so sad and hard because you have this big launch you know what i mean and then it just kind of like took a dive and now we're still experiencing the effects of it and everything so super fun yeah, right. Yeah. I I don't think there's any question that any one of you, the all those musicians that were competing in this, you would have taken the the tour and the 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 year the album and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, cuz that's everything. That and that's that's an investment that can't really be replaced. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this plenty and I'm I know you have the confidence and everything, but you have a real talent. You have real gifts that revolve around this whole thing and I have zero doubt that at some point like it's going to happen just the way that it could have happened with the whole launch of the tour and everything like that. I have no doubt. It just may have been a little bit stalled. That's all. But it's, it's going to happen for you, Brie, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I, w- I did want to tell you, Give Me Love, that's a, like, that, that's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That one was a, yeah, it was, there was so much to that song. So I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> did you, who, who, I didn't actually even look this up, but was, did one of you guys write it or both of you or how did that work out? So that I one. Know you performed I performed it in the show. Yes. That one was a cover. Oh, um, that's a cover? I didn't even realize that. I know it's by Ed Sheeran actually. And it's one of his older songs. Um, I can't remember which album. So our album has five covers that we did on the show and then five originals. And um, Give Me Love, like, it it was just so cool because we had a whole, like, orchestra. And it was a completely different version. But you should definitely look up his version um, and just, like, compare it. It's just, you know, it's different. Well, the fact that I don't didn't know that it was – I mean, Ed Sheeran, it's not like – he's not a nobody. I know a lot of Ed Sheeran songs. And so the fact that I didn't know that was an Ed Sheeran tells you that I bet your guys' version, at least I'm going to think, is quite a bit better. (laughs) So that's just me. Well, um, you're really sweet. We'll see. <laughs> no, knock, no knock on Ed Sheeran. No worries there. But um, yeah, so how how much am I allowed to ask about the breakup between you and Chris? I mean, anything you would like. 
uh yeah let's dive in I'll okay try. all right no no i mean i i'm not even looking necessarily for specifics but i just think the it seemed for one it seemed very amicable mm-hmm. just from public perception which whatever take that for what it's worth but um obviously the goal was to stay together throughout the series and then to stay together moving forward however that may pan out what was it that complicated that post uh listen to your heart um you know i think there was just so much going on um in the world like that year was rough in so many different ways and we were long distance and there was the stress and the pressure of i mean i recorded most of my parts in the album in one day 10 songs like it was so stressful and like all these things, but Chris and I, we were so grateful to have each other and we really did help each other through. So there wasn't really tension between us when it came to those things. I think in the end, we just realized we really did, um, want different things and our paths were kind of, um, you know, they were just different. And so we just made the decision, you know, um, it was really hard because, you know, we really did, love each other as, as human, you know, human beings, like we just, and our voices together, we really loved and valued all that. But yeah, in the end, we just wanted different things. Yeah. No, I mean that, and that makes sense. I mean, I, I call it whatever you will, but it's just differences in outlooks on life and mm-hmm. kind of what your goals are and what you're wanting to fulfill. It makes sense. I mean, we've all been there, whether or not everybody in the world got to see it play out on screen or not is different, mm-hmm. but we've all been in relationships where it's like, once you start to get to know them a little bit more, you're like, well, I don't know if that's what I want, I guess, when it comes down to it. Yeah. You have that initial, you know, spark and chemistry. And then from there you have to experience life in order to know if you're compatible and what you like and don't like. And so, yeah, kind of same thing where it's like, we had that and then we had to go through real life together. And that's, you know, when you figure out if it works. Yeah. Well, the, the, the long-term consequences start to kind of come into play, right? A little bit more, mm-hmm. but I totally get it. I mean, it's not like you guys did anything backwards. It kind of seems like that's kind of the standard. I don't know if we're doing it right or wrong, but regardless, that's generally how everybody does it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so you obviously got to know Chris Harrison, but what was interesting is that about a year later, that dude then gets canceled. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what he's up to now, but I'm just curious. I mean, I, I don't need you to comment on the cancellation of Chris Harrison. I, there's nothing really to say there, but um, what was he like working with him? Cause I've actually heard from other people that he's a very nice guy, but I, I'm just he, curious. I mean, you, you were there experiencing it. So. I mean, honestly, he is a freaking gem. Like he was so intimidating on the show because anytime that guy walked through those doors, you knew that something was about to go down and it was going to be a lot. And like at the rose ceremony. So he is very professional, knows exactly what he's doing and has that whole intimidation factor, but face to face and in person, like, um, he's so fatherly, you know, and I actually got to know him better when Chris and I went back on Claire's season, um, of the bachelorette, which was right after ours to sing, uh, in Palm Springs for her and Dale and Chris Harrison was there and it was his birthday. And he actually came to Chris and I's 
villa or whatever it was to just talk to us and say hi and on his birthday wow yes on his birthday and i'm like who are you he was just just that alone you know he could yeah. it's chris harrison he could be doing anything anywhere in yeah. the world he came to say hi to us and uh and talk to us and see how we were doing and he always gave that fatherly advice you know so i have nothing but wonderful things to say about him is he himself a bachelor or is he is he is he married no uh i think he was married but now he's with um someone else i think they've been together for quite a while so yeah. I wasn't uh, planning on talking about this as a tangent, but so you were there for Claire and Dale, which surprisingly, but, but I don't watch a ton of The Bachelor, but you catch things here and there. You have friends, you're dating girls that are into it, whatever. It just all happens. Mm -hmm. But um, believe it or not, the Claire and Dale dynamic I'm familiar with because they ended that season early or sorry, their, their Claire stint because yeah. they're kind of like, hey, you're clearly into Dale. So like, why are we even doing this? Yeah, yeah. That was like a whole, you know, uh, I don't think that had ever happened before in Bachelor's. Yeah, so. yeah. I think I remember seeing that. And then, so when you came in to sing, if I'm not mistaken, what, I mean, was it already done at that point? Or was this a preamble no, to them? No. That, that, okay, that's what it I thought. The last, I think it was their last night because they had both chosen each other they had just gotten back from a date and then we were at the end kind of wrapping up their date uh singing one of our originals and they kind of just danced to it and everything and then went uh to the i think it was their uh oh my gosh i'm totally blanking on it their suite um mm. the law how am i blanking on yeah, but it's uh it's what they have. Like he get ugh, Chris Harrison, he gives everyone a key. Oh not my gosh. the honeymoon suite. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say, but it's not that. It's freaking oh. uh, fantasy suite. Oh my gosh. Man oh, that's right. I've ooh, yeah. I've heard about the fantasy suite. That's right. Yes, definitely. Um, definitely <laughs> think. So I think that's where they went afterward. And then I think the show, I think they wrapped up their portion and then they brought on Tasha. So <laughs> So it's possible you and Chris, not Chris Harrison, by the way, to get any of the listeners confused. Yeah. Chris is who Bree had established a relationship with. I actually don't know Chris's last name, but he was another participant in Listen to Your Heart. That's that Chris. And then there's Chris Harrison. But anyway, so you and Chris, Listen to Your Heart, Chris, might be responsible for the demise of Claire's season. Just because <laughs> Dale and Claire were feeling it a little bit too intensely during your guys' song. You know, it's so funny you say that because they were into each other when we were singing. I mean, they were they were ready to go to their suite, yes. And uh, it was really adorable to watch them just be together and in love and everything. It was really cute. <laughs> well, how about that? You're answering yeah. just like a professional. Good for you. <laughs> I don't even realize. I don't. I'm just... yeah. Wow, your publicist is doing something right. <laughs> Um, so does this put you in the bachelor sorority fraternity, whatever you want to call it? You in the, you in the, uh, I don't know what they call it. Like it's the sisterhood, the brotherhood. Yeah, honestly, family. I, I mean, I think we are definitely forever in bachelor nation history and, um, yeah, I, I did, I have gotten to know some of, you know, the past 
you know, contestants, whatever that were on there. It was through COVID. So a lot of it was through Instagram and things like that. Um, like pilot Pete, he was, uh, right before us. And so he's been so awesome and so nice and supportive and it's, yeah, it was nice to have the support of, you know, of them that had gone through it and kind of knew what it was like and everything. Yeah. That, um, so does that mean at some point we're going to see you as the next bachelorette? Cause I know they like to keep these things in the family a lot of the time. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to say never, but I was really excited about the music portion of it. And I think that swayed a lot of me being on there uh, was for that whole aspect. And then obviously love, like it just goes together and that was really exciting. So I'm not really one to, uh, you know, date a bunch of people at once, but like, I understand how it works because it's like, Hey, here's your selection and you choose whatever. So I don't know. I don't really like, I can't say yes or no, but it's That's not fair. Totally my thing. It's, it's, it's probably suffice it to say you, you're not chomping at the bit for it. But mm -hmm. should the opportunity present itself, it's not that you would reject it outright either. Something mm -hmm. to, worth potentially considering, and yeah. that makes, which makes perfect sense to me. You don't want to really be definitive about anything, especially hypotheticals. But anyway, interesting. So um, with the, uh, I wanted to ask you kind of, I don't know what the current, like your current status necessarily is in terms of the church. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I... Like I said, it was very clear that you grew up in a traditional Mormon family and that it even said you were still practicing today. But I'm curious how that all played into being on the set and everything and just kind of like clearly being somebody with a unique set of values, so to speak, versus a show that doesn't necessarily portray that openly. And who knows from there? But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things I was hesitant about was feeling pressure. Um with all that, which I'm not afraid of that because I'm very strong in what I believe and I'm not going to compromise anything for anyone, even if it is on TV, but I was worried that it would become a problem or that I would be treated differently. But honestly, like 100%, I was treated so well. Like I didn't even ask for it, but every single time there was a toast, which happened after every rose ceremony, they made sure that I had sparkling water. Uh, so on the tray was everyone's, you know, wine or whatever. And then my sparkling water was there. And again, I didn't even ask for it. Like I That's was amazing. just gonna use my rose. Yeah, like yeah. they took care of me so much and were so respectful, didn't ask questions. They actually really found it um, admirable. And again, I just wasn't expecting that. So that was really, really, cool to me. And I really, uh, developed a lot of respect for them. That makes so much sense to me. And that was my experience as well. Um, not that I had a ton of cameras on me at any given time in my life, but I, I lived in Texas for four years and I was around, I was in grad school out there and I was around a lot of people who, uh, you know, they drank regularly and it, it, no, nobody was ever obnoxious about it. It was very easy for me to be around them. I'd go to tailgates. I'd, and it, if anything, it would open up interesting conversations from there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I remember specifically, I was really good friends with this girl in my program and her husband. And she was like, hey, you got to come to my 30th birthday party. Like, we want you there. And she's like, we'll have soda for you. And I was like, great. Sounds good. Um, and I go and having a good time. It's it's fun getting to know new people. And I see this, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's something that you would see at a Mormon reception. And it's got like this nice looking color of some type of drink. Like if I were to guess, it could be like some nice soda mix with lemonade or lime or something. And I'm like, that's got my name written all over it. So, cause she told me beforehand, she's like, there's going to be a lot of alcohol there. So like, don't worry, we'll have your soda. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, but not that I was like, I never, believe me, I, the last thing I would want was for anybody to feel bad just cause I'm around like right. not drinking. And, um, I went there and I, and I saw this and I honestly didn't even think twice about it. It was like, all of a sudden I'm in Utah going to a reception again and I go in there with a cup, pour it. And I like fill this thing to the brim. Like, I mean, it's not a big cup, but it was all the way to the top. And I take a, not, not a sip, not a huge gulp, but enough for it to be all of a sudden, like my throat was on fire. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, and I, and I like turned to her husband cause I, he was kind of close by and I was like pointing at it. I was like, is this some, um, and before I could even finish, he's like, Oh no. He's like, no, put it down, put it down. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, gosh. He's like, Oh no. He's like, that's like, that's gotta. And they told me it was, um, I think it was Jose Cuervo mixed with like some margarita mix and um, they felt terrible. And I was like reassuring them. I'm like, guys, no, no, like seriously, don't like, this is not on you at all. And like, I don't even feel bad. I was like, well, this is what we call in the Mormon church a freebie. Like, oh, I know. Like, well, good. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody about this if I don't want to, but it was hilarious. Cause they like, they were, it's almost like they were more concerned about it than I was. Not that I wasn't concerned about it, but it's kind of yeah. the same idea. It's like, you leave Utah and not to say that they, there's a bunch of plenty of people in the state of Utah respected as well, but it's, I feel like it's not as fixed in the culture as it might be outside of Utah where they're, they look at that and they're like, Hey, like, good for you. Like you said, it's admirable. They're like, yeah. Hey, you have, you have, it's not that we feel like necessarily your values are better than ours. It's that we respect that you have values and that you keep them. That's all it really yeah. is. Yes. Exactly. Especially in environments where, you know, I think there are a lot of people that normally would choose not to drink because they don't like the way it makes them feel or they have something the next day. But just by default, they feel this societal pressure. And so they do end up drinking, you know, so not even just us being religious and having those values. Like I just talked to other people like, oh, I hate the taste, but then they end up getting wasted because that's what everyone else is doing. So I think it is, you know, respectable to be like, like, no just, I'm still gonna have a good time, but no. Yeah. In fact, I had a friend, a close friend of mine, I was at a tailgate and he asked me just point blank. He's like, he's like, I don't mean to like, you know, probe you too personally, but uh, he's like, do you ever feel like you're missing out? Cause you, you know, you're not drinking at a tailgate. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't know what I'm missing out on. And I was like, first off, you're never going to put me on the spot. Like I love these type of conversations, but you're also never like, I, I don't know what I'm missing for one. And another, and I was like, not to turn it back on you, but I also feel like it could maybe become a vice in these scenarios. And I feel like, like, I'm kind of glad it's not like, I don't, I don't really care to look into that right now, especially not at this age. And he's immediately was like, you know what, that's a really good point. Actually, he's like, because I come to these things and I kind of feel like I have to have a beer at least in order to kind of just like feel like I've been 
which was interesting. I didn't, I had never thought about it really in that context before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a whole thing, you know, and I, I've also talked to people that like have to have a drink in their hand so that they don't look weird, even if they're not going to drink it. And exactly. I'm like, bring me the water. Like, I don't care. I actually made my, uh, my own drink on the show and called it the breeze special. And everyone always like, <laughs> it became a whole thing. And it was like half cranberry juice, half Coke with fresh limes. And I'm telling you, it's delicious. You have to try it. Wait, is that, so how is, that's gotta be a so delicious flavor at this point. Like how is the Brie special not yeah. so delicious? Unfortunately it is. And I was really mad because I thought I created it and that I was brilliant. But then I went to, um, there's one called Quench It and it's called the freaking Cranky. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it seems to be called the Brie, very opposite from Cranky. And I, yeah, I was, it was, it was a hard day realizing that it already existed. So. Well, let's get so delicious on that though. All we need to do is a name change. Like just. <laughs> The Brie special, the Brie, whatever you want to call it. Like, yes. The, the Listen to Your Heart special. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, wherever we go. Yeah, um, I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to do it. So, you really should. I know there are not where I deserve this. <laughs> I love that. I think that's really cool that they straight up didn't even ask. They just gave you the water. That's honestly really cool of them, really accommodating on their part. Exactly. Because it's, you know, I mean, everyone's on something like that. It is a little uncomfortable where you're like, I'm not holding anything. I don't have anything to, you know, and yeah, they just totally took care of me. It was amazing. Yeah. I will say though, too, it's fine. It reminds me, you hear always, you always hear these stories like of general authorities before they were general authorities, like would be in a situation where they'd be drinking and they'd be like, well, instead of me drinking, I'd have a glass of milk. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be milk, though. Like, let's be honest. Like, I'm not saying you have to make it look like alcohol, yeah. but it doesn't have to be milk. Like, milk is so, like, it's almost like you're making a statement. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm saying you don't have to make a statement. You could just say, hey, I've got water. I'll I'll, uh, I'll yeah. toast to that and call it good or sparkling water or even sparkling cider, right? I mean, maybe that's yeah. pushing it a little too much. But the milk, to me, is a little bit over. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird that way, but I'm like. No, I have not heard that, and that's definitely – I think that's interesting. <laughs> I don't even like plain milk. So for me, I was going to say, that, I don't. Milk. Make yeah. chocolate yeast, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, you know what? I would toast with chocolate milk. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. A <laughs> little bit of that uh, BYU creamery. Love it. Mm. <laughs> so you're out in California. As we kind of like close out some things here, um, I'm curious because you moved out there about a year and a half ago, right? Yes. Mm hmm. So you've got kind of this new chapter in your life. The, the last chapter was extremely interesting. Now you've got this new chapter developing. I'm curious how the contrast is in your head with living and growing up in Utah, Provo specifically, and then living in California now, LA, like yeah. doing what you do. No, I don't know if we talked about this when we hung out last, but I actually grew up in Reno and oh, you did tell me that. Oh, I'm okay, sorry. That's right. You did. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was in Utah for like 10 plus years. So I was in Reno till I graduated high school. So I moved to Utah when I was 18. Which uh, Did you go to McQueen? Was that what it was? Oh, I didn't go there, but I had friends that went there. Yes. Okay. Because I, I grew up in Las Vegas for a bit too. I lived in Las Vegas till I was 11. So oh, okay. We're yeah. kind of familiar with the... My brother played football in Vegas, obviously, so he played against McQueen in the state championship. I had some buddies from Fallon, roughly that yeah. area. So mm -hmm. 
I think I may have made a connection with one or two of them with you. But... Yeah. I think now I'm remembering that there was like a mutual, yeah, not friend, but something like that. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, it, it definitely feels more like, uh, I don't want to say my roots cause I'm not a big city girl. Uh, but had it my way, I probably wouldn't be living here. Um, I love being by the ocean. I, I live four minutes away. And so I commute to the city when I need to, because that's my way of kind of keeping my head on straight and being away because I just get very overwhelmed. Um, hence the deep breath. (laughs) So, so yeah. And I love Utah so much. Every time I go back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't care what people say about it being a bubble and whatever kind of crap. Like I like that. I like that it feels warm and safe and everyone's nice and everyone says hi to you. And not that everyone's in the church because I think Salt Lake actually just hit the record or whatever of it being now less religious than religious of what it used to be. So oh, is it inverted now? I didn't even know that. I think That's I heard that this week. Yeah, because so many wow. people are moving there from California and stuff like that. But yeah. it just has a feel to it that I love that you don't really get here. Not saying that people are mean. I've had really great experiences, some not, but um anyway, I love, you know, I love both places for different reasons. That makes sense. And um I totally get what you're saying too. It's interesting what you say about the bubble because I think the bubble only exists as much as you want it to. Yes, amen. <laughs> And I actually think it can exist anywhere. It can. Right? Yes. Like, it just comes down to, like, who you're willing to allow inside of this, so to speak, bubble that you have versus who you aren't. Exactly. And anything, Mm -hmm. you know, and and how thick that bubble is to penetrate versus not, you know, things. I mean, I just, I think it kind of gets a bad rap in that sense, too. Um, Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with you there. What's it like dating out in California as opposed to Utah? Because you've been very clear that, like, Utah, never, never uh, very successful ultimately, right? Call a spade a spade. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here pointing at myself, 100%, same thing. <laughs> but what's that like? I mean, I've never lived in California. I did the Texas thing for four years, but I wasn't really out there to date. So I kind of knew that wasn't really going to be an option too much out there. But Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I Before I moved here, everyone's like, it's so hard to date in LA. So good luck. And I'm like, I don't really understand why specifically LA. I think because a lot of people, because it's so populated or something, I still haven't figured out why, but anyway, there definitely aren't as many people that practice, um, you know, our religion and. Yeah. I've been saying Mormon and I'm like, I need to be better about just like being more blatantly just calling it the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. I just, it's just rough. Like it's it, hard. It's just a mouthful. <laughs> it is a mouthful. And it seems like such a great abbreviation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. then I say LDS and no one knows what I'm saying. So then yeah, I LDS, say they're like LSD. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll say like previous known as Mormon, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really, and then people are like, oh yeah. So okay, I try and, yeah. and, you know, explain it, but, um, not easy. No, it's, it's not, but I, totally understand why. And I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, again, to answer your question, I look back at the luck I had in Utah and I'm like, well, maybe it isn't the place. I don't know. You know, I'm just kind of (laughs) living my life, uh, as I would if 
I never get married. So I can be happy, take care of myself, all the things, not expect anything. And if it comes along, awesome. Obviously, I want that. But, you know, just kind of taking it day by day right now. Hey, that's important. Totally get it. Good for you. Um, is, uh, okay, who would your dream duet be with? That's one thing I wanted to know, too. Honestly, I freaking love Post Malone. <laughs> well, then you got to come back to Utah. <laughs> I know. There's always these sightings of him, and I'm like, oh, I was like right there in Park City. Uh, he just, I, yeah, I, I love him so much and just blast him all the time. So, yeah, he'd probably be my number one. We would definitely have to filter out some things, have a conversation, and be like, hey, Maybe post, so, yeah. You know? so, tell him that it's going to be a love a love letter. This song is going to be a love letter to Utah, and ergo has to be edited from what his typical lyrical approach may be. Exactly. And I'm sure, I'm sure and confident that he could do that, you know? Yeah, so, no question. I mean, yeah. have you, did you hear his cover of uh, Only, Only Want to Be With You, the Hootie and the Blowfish song? No. It's amazing. Maybe I'm not as big of a fan as I thought I was. I need to oh, look I'm that sure up. I'm sure you're a bigger fan than I am, but that's like, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it's okay. really good. I think I think he did it for a movie. I'm not sure which one. I don't know how I came across it. I think there was something on YouTube and I was like, Post Malone is covering Hootie and the Blowfish. Only want to be with you. I'm in. So yeah. it was really good. It sounded amazing. I feel like your guys' voices would be great together, actually. I'm not even kidding. Like it would they would contrast really nicely. So well let's good manifest luck. this into the universe because that's right? like the thing to say right now is manifestation. That's right. That's so right. we're gonna do that and you live closer to him. I come back to Utah like monthly, so I'll just become I'll just get a little closer, you know, not in a stock, but I'll be You got to hang out by Big Cottonwood Canyon. I think that's where his house is. At least that's what my nieces and nephews told me as I was driving by one time. They were okay. like, Post Malone lives over there. And I'm like, first off, how do you know that? Secondly, I'm like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I know. It's so funny how people, you know, know these things because I definitely don't. I just heard that he likes to buy those uh, uh, weird uh worms that have been dehydrated or whatever at the gas station and someone saw him buying <laughs> again Sounds i have right. no idea but <laughs> i kind of right. yeah so i'll just like hang out at at a gas station and hope he comes so post malone featuring Bree strauss or Staus, sorry. Sorry, Staus. I know your last name is Staus. <laughs> You're good. I was actually impressed that you like knew it and knew how to pronounce it because nobody ever does. So I appreciate that. Well, I'm sorry I got the R in there. Strauss is a obviously more common last name, but Staus. I knew it was Staus. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you've said it right this whole time. So, yes. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to ask you this too. Is country at all a genre that is in your future? Because I feel like you'd have an amazing country voice too, but maybe I'm crazy. And I'm a big no. country. I'm a sucker for country. That's why I have to ask. I love country. And honestly, my voice lends itself to being country. I have that natural, you know, I can put the twang and it just comes out mm -hmm. uh, unintentionally. And so, and being from, Reno. I'm actually from a suburb, Sparks, so it's a smaller town. Um, I think I could pull it off. So I don't like saying no to anything, especially genre related, because uh, I get, again, I don't want to pigeonhole myself in one thing. So I would actually 
love to explore that. I'm going to be going out to Nashville soon to do some writing. So we'll see, you know, what happens there and what comes out. That's awesome. Yeah, That is the country capital of the world. I'm jealous you're going to go and write. I can only imagine who you're going to run into there. A couple things off of that note. If you happen to run into the following, please tell them I love them <laughs> and um, that I said hi, and they should know what, who you're talking about. Oh, yeah. uh, Morgan Wallen. Okay. Hardy. Okay. Uh, these days, Walker Hayes. I mean, it's not, we're not just talking fancy. Like, I mean, that got overplayed more than anything, but uh-huh. he's actually got a nice collection now. I really like Walker Hayes' music. He's awesome. Um, Dirks Bentley, throw him in there. Oh, and, freak, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, yeah. That, if you see, if you happen to see any of those guys, please tell them okay. I love them and that uh, I say hi. And then, furthermore, have you ever been to the Bluebird uh, concert series up at uh, Sundance in Provo? Well, just off of Provo. I haven't been in Provo, but I really, really need to go. I went to the one in Nashville. But yeah, there's I, the one. I mean, obviously, that's where it gets its name from in Nashville. Because yeah. they, what they do there is they have the writers of those songs come and play that music, which is a really, really cool idea. Yeah. And I've been to a couple country concerts that's really fun to see. And they kind of talk about kind of the, what went into the thought process of writing that song. So it's really cool. Okay, I'm going to put that on my list because I kind of forgot about it. And these are things I need to, you know, go to. <laughs> yeah, well, and they got that outdoor amphitheater in Sundance. It's just, it's on, on a summer night, any given summer night. It's just gorgeous. So I think yes. you'd love it. Yes. Um, last question I want to ask you. What, you're kind of living like a lifelong dream to some degree. Now, I know you have goals that build off of these goals that you've fulfilled, right? Joy is in the journey. Totally get that. As you've kind of reached this precipice of some of your goals, and I know, like I said, very clearly you have goals that are still like further down the road. How do you try and stay grounded and connected and tethered to perspective or whatever you want to call it? That is um, a very, very good question. And one that I definitely struggle with daily Um, just full transparency. I have my ups and downs just like anyone. And I think being in this industry, um, it's very, I don't want to say extra difficult because I don't want to minimize anyone else's feelings, but you know, you're always kind of chasing that next thing. There's really not a lot of, uh, security in it. And it's kind of a status thing and who you know and where you can go and blah, blah, blah. So I've kind of tried to, you know, change my thinking in my head. And, you know, so many people are like, you're going to make it. Or it's never like you've made it. Like when I was on the show, people looked at me as like, wow, you've made it. But now that that's in the past, I've noticed people have been saying to me, you know, more of they've kind of been bringing that lingo back and in my head i'm like no in my mind i am making it i have made it if this is all you know that i ever have i've made it so i think it's just changing that mentality of anyone anywhere in life not having this big you know end thing being like this is what making it means just doing what you're doing every day um is making it and in regards to keeping myself grounded, you know, just honestly, the gospel, if I didn't have that and perspective and purpose, I would be so freaking lost. I 
they're because like I said, there's no security in what I'm doing, you know, but I know my place with God and that's all I need. So by the end, you know, at the end of the day, he knows who I am and I don't need to prove myself to him. Like I do an audience, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. I love that. I think you have an amazing perspective. And in in fact, you had mentioned kind of, it's the daily thing that you go through. Like that's, that's what you're doing. That's, that's the goal is to just be participating in life on a day in and day out basis. And I love that because I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Huberman, but he's a, he's like a psychologist, uh, um, medical doctor. I can't exactly remember what it is he does specifically, but he does a lot of psychophysiology stuff. And he's been on Joe Rogan before. And he actually talks about that. He's like, the best way to kind of keep your dopamine at bay so that it doesn't just spike and then you crash. He's saying you actually have to enjoy and appreciate the journey. And that's where you can actually like make it so your dopamine responds well to just the work that you put in to these Mm. goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fascinating um, because it makes a lot of sense because when we're constantly looking towards just what the goal is going through the grind and not really paying attention to the details. then once we reach that goal, He's like 24 hours and then like not only are you back to where you were, it actually feels worse, which goes to point your point too with what you were saying with how and, – and to your – you didn't want to minimize or downplay what other people's experiences are. But at the same time, there is something to be said about the volatility of fame, mm-hmm. um, I think. And I think it kind of plays into one of Newton's laws. I can't remember which one, but it's to every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. And so when you experience something that's – unprecedented, not just to you, but to most people in terms of fame, being on ABC on a weekly basis, winning a contest among other very, very well-qualified people and having an opportunity that less than 0.001% of people could ever experience. The other side of that, like, I think you're, I think you're kind of experiencing things on a spectrum here. Mm -hmm. Like on one side, it exceeds what most people could ever experience. But on the other side, the equal and opposite reaction to that is, you know what? You may be feeling it a little bit more on those harder days. Right. I don't know. That's just one theory. So I get yeah. what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. But I could not agree more that what keeps, I mean, I, I mean, your words, what keeps you tethered is, is the gospel. And I love that. And I love hearing that because I think that's the answer to everything. I think in my own experiences, you know, dating some of the wrong people and making, committing my own big mistakes and just every, having everything combust in a terrible way, I had to keep relying on the only true form of happiness that I've ever felt. And it was always tied to the gospel. And that's why it's like, that's, that's gotta be my emphasis. And that's the bottom line. So mm-hmm. kind of funny that that's the answer for everything, right? And how you're experiencing what you are and I'm experiencing what I am, which couldn't be more different in a lot of ways, but the answer is generally the same which I think is really cool. Exactly. Yes. And that just made me remember, you know, when I was on the show, um, I couldn't communicate with anyone outside of the show. So for a month, basically, I had no, uh, I couldn't talk to my, uh, my safe space, my, my support, you know, and that's my family. I couldn't go to church and things like that. And that was really hard for me. And I brought a little mini book of Mormon. That's all I could bring and then a picture of my family. Um, and I think a journal, I couldn't really bring anything else. And 
I grew so much closer to God because I was completely alone, not, you know, and that's internally, like, obviously I had everyone on the show. They were amazing, but there was so much that happened and things that I would normally cry about to my mom or things I'd be so excited about until my sister or whatever. And I couldn't. And so all I had was prayer and then my little book of Mormon. And I've, I've never had that. Um, I've never served a mission, you know, I've never been cut off from my family. And, and so that actually strengthened my testimony a ton because at the end of the day, when I went to bed, he's all I had, you know? So Mm -hmm. if you have that knowledge and that testimony, like you really will be okay, even though it's still hard. That's amazing, Bree. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, thanks for coming on as well. And uh, Bree Staus, so everybody look her up. Not only that, but also what do you got coming down the wire? You got some new releases coming out soon? I do, actually. Uh, ironically enough, it's called Famous. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, how about but, that? Yeah, there's a whole story to that. But, uh, but yeah, that's coming out uh, within either this month or next month. And I'm really excited for that one. It kind of has a little bit of an 80s vibe with pop. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, it's just, it's different than than what I've done. And uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> Have any of your singles released for that one yet? Or a single? So that one is just going to be a single. Um, oh, the name of the single is Famous. Yes. Oh, yes. sorry. I thought I'm, it was an album. Gotcha. No, that would be amazing. I'm a little too impatient right now to do an album, even though I should and one day will. But right now I'm like, I got a song and I want to release it kind of thing. So uh, one day album. But yes, this one is just a little loner. <laughs> hey, that's great. Yeah. Well, best of luck with that. Check it out. Famous. I know I will. I love 80s music, so I'm all in on that. <laughs> Yay. Free. Thank you again. Best of luck with everything. It's going to be fun watching your journey because I know it's going to be interesting and I know it's going to be great. So thanks for coming on and uh, I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Yes, we better. And you are awesome. I've done a lot of podcasts and I'm not just saying this. You are definitely by far one of the best. Like you, I'm going to, I'm excited to watch your journey because (laughs) you're like all A's, honestly. So thank you. That's an incredible compliment. So on that note, then if you have, if you want to send anybody else my way to talk about whatever, I'm all ears. I would, I would love referrals to have on the podcast. So you got it. (laughs) Thanks, Bree. I had a blast. This was honestly so fun. I would love to even have you on again at some point. Yes, I would love that. Let's do it. This was great. Done. All right. Mark it down. Thanks, (laughs) Bree. Okay. Thanks so much. Big thank you to Bree Staus for coming on the podcast. I had a blast talking with Bree. Um, just a little side note, after we were done recording our conversation, uh, we stayed on for another 20 to 30 minutes just catching up again. And I mean, Bree is, Bree is so nice, so grounded. She was just asking me what I've been up to, just kind of asking for updates. And it was a great back and forth. Bree is, Bree is awesome to talk to, super chill like I said, very grounded, um, really fun and follow her journey. Check out her story. Um, Instagram, it's just at Brie Staus, which is B R I S T A U S S. Uh, she's going places, you know, it'll be fun to watch her grow and, uh, see where she ends up and kind of where she goes on the journey of hers and check her out on Apple music too. She's got a bunch of stuff out there. She's got a great voice. Brie's very, very talented, very gifted. And it's fun to see her take advantage of the gifts that she's been giving and use them for good. Um, 
yeah, so anyway, big shout out to Bree. Thank you again. Uh, what I wanted to talk about, just kind of as we close out here, the so I was last Friday, I was in the temple, and I was actually um, just reading kind of where I've been left off in the Book of Mormon. I've been in Alma for a bit now. Obviously, it's the biggest book in the Book of Mormon. But anyway, um, two things pointed out to me that I want to talk about, uh, one of which is inequality, and the other, it was this other kind of, not, it, it's not a new idea, but I'll get to it in a second. It was something that I thought about, but it was funny to see it kind of articulated in the scriptures. But in Alma twenty eight thirteen talks about inequality, which I thought was fascinating because these days we talk a lot about inequality. We talk about things not being fair and we kind of think like, why aren't things fair? Why is there inequality in the world? And we kind of put the onus on God, so to speak, like he owes us something or he owes us like he should, he should impose fairness on people and it's interesting. It's not. It's just not possible that life works that way, right? Because um, it, we're given agency. That's the number one law, and it's what we fought for, right? To get here was to have our agency. And so, it says this in twenty-eight thirteen in Alma, and thus we see how great the inequality of man is because of sin and transgression and the power of the devil, which comes by the cunning plans which he hath devised to ensnare the hearts of men. Clearly, saying here that. The inequality is due to the fact that people use their agency for evil. They abuse it, right? And we see these atrocities, right? Political atrocities that happen all around the world, right? They say about these days, right, that nobody really dies of starvation anymore willingly. Uh, Sorry, not willingly. Obviously, nobody does. Nobody dies of starvation anymore by not having food available. It's generally withheld from them for political ramifications, for gain, for power, or whatever else. It's all abuse, which goes to show that the inequality that exists is generally due to the fact that other people, not generally, I mean, it really is due to the other fact that people use their agency for bad things. It's not that God wants to see people suffer, people have um, a bad shake at life or a tough hand dealt. It's just that's how things happen when you give agency to the masses and try and let them progress and learn and grow on their own. It's just how it is. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting to see that, like I said, laid out pretty clearly in Alma 28.13. The other thing that I wanted to point out, this is this was interesting. It, it's Alma kind of going around talking about like his desires. And he has this little verse. It's just a few verses later. It's chapter 29, verse 4. And he's kind of lamenting his desires here. He's like, I I know I shouldn't desire just anything, right? But he says, I ought not to harrow up in my desires the firm decree of a just God. For I know that he granteth unto men according to their desire, whether it be unto death or unto life. Yea, I know that he allotteth unto men, yea, decreeth unto them decrees which are unalterable according to their wills, whether they be unto salvation or unto destruction. That's fascinating to me. He's basically saying here, you will get what you want, no matter what, if it's for your own good or for your own bad. You actually get what you want. You get what you desire. I find that fascinating because we don't really think about it in that sense a lot, right? We think that we all want one thing, but we're not given it. But I think maybe it takes a little bit of introspection to look deep down and say, am I really getting what I want? And I had this realization not too long ago, within the last month or so, as I was kind of reflecting on the last year of my life, which has been, needless to say, a very interesting year of my life, um, with, you know, a series of bad personal decisions, 
and kind of having to suffer the consequences of that. And maybe someday I'll get to that later in the podcast. I don't know. I'm going to come down the road. But um, I, I reflected on it thinking it's not that I was an innocent bystander in this. A lot of the suffering that I went to on the back end from all this was because I made major mistakes because I desired things that were not good. And ultimately, I got what I desired, and then I got to see the ugly side of those desires. I truly reflected on that thinking, that's, I got what I wanted. So then I had to kind of look deep down and be like, what is it that I really want now? What is it that I want is different that, that I didn't want in the last year? Was that, how was I trying to fool myself in this last year into thinking that I could have, have it both ways, so to speak? So I don't know. I don't mean to be coming across as a little esoteric right now, but I do think that if we look deep down into what our desires are, we'll actually see kind of what we have in our lives right now is a manifestation of what our deep desires are. But it takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of intellectual honesty with that self-honesty with yourself, right? So anyway, something to reflect on. I, I thought that was fascinating that, once again, that was articulated in the scriptures. I'm sitting here in the temple just going like, wow, holy cow, what an insight. Anyway, that's why I love the scriptures, because it really does that for me. And I recommend everybody to read them, um, because it's just a nice release from reality. It's a nice reminder of the gospel, and it kind of gets you thinking. It gets those wheels turning. Anyway, once again, thank you for tuning in. And once again, thank you to Bree Staus. Follow her on Instagram at Bree Staus, B-R-I-S-T-A-U-S-S, and on Apple Music. That is her full name. I, well, I don't know. Maybe it's Brianna. I don't know. I never asked her that, actually. But Bree, B-R-I-S-T-A-U-S-S, Staus. That is how you can find her on Instagram. That is how you can find her on Apple Music. Check her out. Bree is awesome. Maybe she'll be the next Bachelorette at some point. Maybe not next one. Maybe sometime down the road. Who knows? I'll see y'all next week. Love y'all. Have a great week. Finish it out strong. It's going to be hot. We're going to be in the 90s, mid-90s, near the end of the week. It's time to hit the lake, y'all. Have a good one. Love you. See you next week. I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you fade right takes time, I, I, if it takes time.